Hey, welcome to Textual Healing. I'm your host, Mallory Smart. Today we have an amazing guest who I have admired for years, Lisa Cantorall. If for some reason you're unfamiliar with Lisa, she is the editor-in-chief of Clash Books, author of Trash Panda, and put together an amazing collection called Tragedy Queens, stories inspired by Lana Del Rey and Sylvia Plath. It features some of my favorite writers in the literary world today. Check it out. For some strange reason, on a podcast like this, we didn't mention it in this episode. That is my fault, probably, but I highly recommend that you check it out. It's available on Clash Books. Buy it now. If you don't, I'll be disappointed. She also runs a podcast of her own called Get Lit with Lisa, which is a exactly what we do in this episode. And I'm not saying lit in the way that I constantly say lit. I'm saying lit. In an episode where we are both blazed, we somehow managed to discuss Madonna, cults, Marilyn Manson, Charlie Manson, Lana Del Rey, Clash Books, and my personal favorite, how where we grow up affects our taste in music and the way that we create. At the end, Lisa reads a few pieces that reflect all that and more I hope you dig it as much as I did. With all that in mind, let's start the show. So, uh, how's your day going? Um, all right. (laughs) Just doing a lot of book stuff. I love the total blah vibe. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm excited to talk to you. I wouldn't be. Well, like, talking to someone about... I'm literally drinking $3 wine in an M&M mug, so... I just I just uh, took a gummy. When does that kick in? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think it's starting to kick in already, actually. Okay, this is going to be an interesting episode. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm totally tripping out because uh, literally exactly a year ago, I, uh, I did acid at my new house. Yeah. So it's just really strange. Do you not do acid anymore? Or? Not really. I mean, it's been a while. I'm not, like, cool enough to have cool friends that have drugs, so. <laughs> Especially, like... It- you're in the suburbs, right? Uh, I mean, we're in Troy. It's like a city, but we moved here literally like a month before COVID, so we didn't get to meet anybody. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. We've managed to meet everybody in our new place. We moved in the middle of COVID, too. Oh, wow. It's because everybody's working from home, and it's an apartment building. Yeah, that's different. It's more like a dorm situation. Yeah. Oh, my God. It totally is like a dorm we nice. have a gym and all that shit. That's where my boyfriend is right now. My boyfriend's at, my my boyfriend. My husband is at the gym as well right now. See, we got shit in common. Yeah, they they actually work out. That's something I need to do. Same here. Instead, I snuck down to the bakery and got chocolate cake for afterwards. Oh, nice. Yeah, I got some cool cookies. I'm excited seeing them. See. We're the same person, basically. <laughs> you're just able to smoke where you're at. I wanted to, but I'm in a no-smoking building. 
Oh, yeah. I feel bad for the few smokers who live here because they have to go, like, down the corner to go smoke. And it's like a foot of snow outside, right? Yeah. I mean, I pretty much quit, but um, sometimes I do it. That's cool. What do you smoke? Oh, I was just uh, smoking up Marlboro Red. Okay. That's what my sister does. Yeah, they're shit. I mean, they're all kind of crap. You're like, oh, yeah, American Spirits will be good. Those are all natural, and they taste like fucking ass. Damn. I was just going to say that's what I smoke. <laughs> they're not, okay, well, they're not as bad as, uh, like, menthols. Okay, you're good there. Menthols are disgusting. Mm-hmm. But I used to still bum them anyway, but I'd be, like, a total brat about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> asking people for free cigarettes and they're like well all I got is menthol I'm like oh my god I cannot believe you smoke menthols which are so disgusting they're like well you still want one I'm like yeah <laughs> like what are you gonna do say no, <laughs> no. I mean you gotta smoke you know exactly yeah I'm sitting here with my my books I'm like so excited somebody actually wants me to talk about my writing and music and shit like, I love that. I love uh, the connection there. What books are you surrounded by? Right so I've got, I've got Trash Panda, which was my poetry collection. Uh, put that out like three, two years ago, about three years ago. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and uh, my short story collection, Cartoons in the Suicide Forest. And this one came out about uh, like four years ago. Mm-hmm. And then I've got Tragedy Queen, stories inspired by Lana Del Rey and Sylvia Plath. Yeah, I was looking at that just now. Oh, cool. Are you a big fan of Lana Del Rey? Yeah. I mean, duh. Yeah, I, I like her, you know. I mean, lately I've been mostly listening to The Weeknd. I just like basically have been literally just listening to The Weeknd. He's what's gotten us through the, the pandemic. There's been some good albums this year, like Fiona albums. From the oh, al- yeah. al- Fiona albums. Fiona albums album. <laughs> um, it was so cool to hear like actual good music. Like it was like really original and very her too. And she was one of the singers when I, we were talking earlier about it. She's one of the the musicians that really um I think started to help me get in touch with my my voice as a poet and a writer mm-hmm. how so um I mean like that first album was so simple like it, it, auditory wise um the second one I actually like the music in the second one better but I feel like the intensity of the first one, like it was so much about the lyrics and so much about just the piano. And um, I don't know, I just really liked her like vitriol, like her quiet vitriol. Like she's so quiet and she's so pissed off. And I'm like, ooh. I vibe that. I vibe that. I can see it in your writing. (laughs) Oh, great. Not as, like, an offense, but yeah. yeah. No, I can definitely get that sense. That's funny. So, do you have Spotify? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Did you do the uh, Spotify wrapped thing at the end of the year where it showed like who your most listened to bands are? No, I mean, I know what I listen to. I listen to The Weeknd and Lana Del Rey and like Billie Eilish and uh, I like the new Bean album. Like I listen to all the stuff that like millennials are probably listening to. Like I'm... I mean, I guess I'm like an elder millennial. I'm like right on the cusp because I was born in 1981. Yeah, you are on the cusp. But I like, I, I tend to like have something in common more with like people in their 20s. I tend to fit more in with Gen Z. Really? I'm very comfortable with them. Yeah. Yeah. It's because I look younger. Yeah. Like I, I still get carded and I, I, it really annoys me. But, and I'm like, totally like, when I stop getting carded, I'm going to start being annoyed about not being carded. Exactly. You're just going to be pissed off no matter what. Yeah. Life is literally just a series of perpetual annoyances. Annoyances, I'd say. I mean, I'm actually pretty happy. Yeah. I'm pretty happy with my life right now. That's chill. So... How you been coping with the pandemic? Um, I mean, I don't know. That's like probably better than most people, honestly. Um, I was kind of already used to being isolated mm-hmm. because we were living up in this house in New Hampshire in like the middle of the woods for like five years. Um, so, you know, I pretty much just like went insane. So, uh, and then we moved uh, to an actual city, upstate New York. So there's actual like stuff to do here. But then it hit. So like the first month, I drank like every day. I think I day drank until I drank too much. And my husband told me I had to stop drinking because I kept just picking fights with him. <laughs> um, so uh, I went on a year. I'm like, okay, I'll quit for a year. So, which is my second time having to do that for the exact same reason. So that's fun. Mm-hmm. But after that, so after I quit drinking, I did a lot better. And I was just like, okay, fine. This is the normal. This is how it is. I work from home anyway, so it didn't really make that much of a difference. It was just kind of shitty because, like, I really wanted to do a housewarming party and stuff. And I was so excited about having, like, our own place. It was ours. Um, Do you know a lot of people in your area? Um, I mean, we know some people in, like, Albany, but we didn't really have a chance to, like, get to know people that much in Troy, so that sucks. But, um, like, so literally a year ago, um, on this day, actually, I was, like, just moving into this house, and my husband was back at the old house, like, getting stuff and stuff, and... Uh, my brother came up with a friend um, to, like, I guess, help me out to move in with the house. Uh, they ended up not helping all that much, but um, <laughs> my brother brought acid, so that was really cool. So we all did acid literally a year ago today. I wish I was that cool. <laughs> it was a good trip. It was really cool. I, I actually talked to a ghost during it so that was even that took it to the next level for sure like i'll never forget that i've dabbled in things before but nothing that lit one time i smoked something called spice 
had no idea what it was, just thought it was weed and got way lit on it. Everything seemed chill until my friends and I were watching Trolls 2 at a campy part. The kid says, they're eating her and then they're going to eat me. Oh my God. That's when it hit. And it hit hard. Like I was hallucinating and legit forgot how to do things. I don't know why, but I treated it like alcohol and thought maybe if I ate something, it would help kind of like slow the process down. So I started to eat a cookie. Halfway through, I realized I no longer knew how to eat and just spit it out. I'm such a dork. I have very little experience in cool things like that. (laughs) So off topic. You're from the Midwest, right? Like me? I was there for, like, high school, but I actually grew up in Mexico. Where specific? In, uh, it's a town, it's a city called Puebla. It's, like, two hours south of Mexico City. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So when did you move? Um, I was, like, uh, 12. That's gotta be a culture shock. Yeah, it was. And it was a weather shock, too, because uh, no shit. where we were in Mexico, it was like basically like California weather, like just pretty much nice all the time, really. And then you moved to an area where like freezing air and yeah. Yeah, Chicago weather is like the worst, like cold, wind, windy, barely any slow winters and like hot, muggy summers. It's just gross. Yep. That is my life. <laughs> Yeah, I feel I feel bad for you. All right, sorry. No, I want to go to the West Coast whenever I can talk my boyfriend into it. We're doing it. Yeah, it. where where like what area? I want to go to Portland, but his sister just moved to L.A., so I'd probably go there. Yeah, I mean, talk about hipster—the hipster trust fundification. Like Portland's definitely going through that right now. I feel like... I love Portland, though. I've been there, like, a ton of times. There's a convention I used to go to there. So it's it's a cool city. I mean, it's really fun. It's probably the city I've been to the most. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I think that's the same. Yeah, I tend to go for almost no reason. I like the airport there, and a lot of lit stuff is there. Yeah, yeah, they have a good... I love Powell's, too. Have you met Kevin Samsel? Yeah, we're we're actually uh, publishing a collage poetry collection of his this year. Oh, that's lit. Mm-hmm. What's it called? Um, I Made an Accident. Hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it'll be uh, December. So we'll probably put up the pre-order in the summer. What got you into doing Clash? Um, I feel like it's a long story with a bunch of different versions. Go for it. Um, I mean, I think I always wanted to do something. And, you know, when I was younger, I was like really obsessed with Madonna. So I wanted to be Madonna. Um, but I realized that like, Madonna's already being Madonna. Um, 
And also I had to learn to sing, which I never bothered to learn. I think I just thought, oh, well, whatever, I'll just get up there and I'll be like perfect. So what I would spend most of my like childhood doing when I was alone, I'd sit in front of the mirror, like practicing my interviews for when I was famous. <laughs> Very good use of my time. I mean, you're getting interviewed now. I know, and that look how ready I am. All those years of practice. <laughs> Killing it. See, you don't need to be Madonna. You're you. Yeah. Yeah, no, eventually I was like, oh, yeah, I'm pretty cool. I should just do that. Legit question, though. Madonna from what era? Oh, I mean, I mean, I got into her when I was, like, eight, so. So it'd be, like, The first stuff I listened to was, like, a like a virgin and uh i got so excited about the immaculate collection and like how she did that bundle with the sex book and my mother would not give me the sex book and i was so pissed and now it's fucking out of print so um i'll never have it i'm sure you can get it off ebay for really yeah for like yeah exactly yeah i remember i met this writer at a at a reading one time and we really bonded over like the fact that he had the sex book and I was so jealous. But, uh, I, yeah, I'm not I, an I don't ethical know. person at all. I would have just gotten to know that person and taken it. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. I, I've always, you know, I started writing in high school, like listening to poetry and, uh, listening to poetry, listening to music, like, you know, and I think some of the singers that really inspired me were like Courtney Love and Shirley Manson and Marilyn Manson. Like they all had this like really cool attitude and just like were so unfiltered. Mm-hmm. And um, Courtney Love, especially like the texture of her words and the way she puts rhymes together and the kind of like surreal imagery and emotional um, confessional style, I guess really appealed to me yeah you could definitely get a little bit of uh new wave sound to some of her songs too yeah totally yeah do you like bikini kill at all um i never really listened to them much i know like i probably should like them like everybody asked me <laughs> no it's like it's like you say courtney love and it's like in the same area but, like, it's weird. Like, I notice, like, the stuff I like, it's not because it's in the same category. It's just that I connect with that person. Mm-hmm. Like, The weekend, like, how I've been listening to just The weekend Because when I'm working, like, I need something to make me feel alive. And his mix of sexy and sad is, like, exactly what I need. After Hours is the main album I listen to all 2020. Nice. Like I would just do it on repeat while writing and editing. <laughs> Same. That's crazy. I think everyone was though. <laughs> so we're not. I special. mean, it's just it's just perfect music. Like it's just it's fucking great. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite song? Uh. Okay, I'm gonna have to go and look. Check your phone or whatever. <laughs> okay. Let's see. Um. I really like Heartless. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I even start the album at that if I really need energy. Um, I'm not going to say Blinding Lights because that's like the one you're supposed to like. 
It is a good one, though. <laughs> Not that I don't like it. Like, it's funny because uh, my husband is actually the one that was excited about the weekend before me. He was like when he heard that first big hit. Um, and I was like, oh, I hate it. Like, I don't know why I hated it. I think I felt like he was trying too hard. Like, it's just way too much of a per- the can't feel my face song. It's just like such a perfect song. It pissed me off and it just felt so fake. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was like, he's just singing about Coke. Like, this isn't a love song or anything. He's just like talking about Coke. But like once you start like really researching him, though, you get to know like how authentic he is. Right. And then I listened to the actual full album and I pretty much love every song on that album. Like, I don't think there's a song I don't like. It's like it's even equally. So basically what I do when I put him on is it'll start at after hours and then it'll go through the discography backwards. So I basically end up listening to his entire discography every day on repeat. And it's so funny because my husband, who was the one who was initially into him, now can't stand him because I play him all the time. And the same thing happened with Lana Del Rey. He introduced me to Lana Del Rey and like, I played her to death, like completely to death. So he like... You're ruining Lana Del Rey for people? No. Bad. Yeah. I mean, that's his fault. Like how it cannot get ruined. So like, that's your problem. That's true. That is so true. This is, you can't like, I don't understand. There is not like an amount of time that you can listen to the weekend or Lana Del Rey that is too much. That's just stupid. Yeah. You tell him for me, if it, my opinion matters at all, that I'm with you. Yeah. Like we were going to like do it the other day and I really wanted to play the weekend because mm-hmm. it's sexy music. And he's like, no, I cannot fuck to the weekend. See, I'm lucky my boyfriend isn't too into music. So I get to just turn on whatever. Yeah, he's a musician, so he's really sensitive to it. I'm actually the person who got my boyfriend to go to his first concert. So, Oh, nice. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah, he's not from this country. He moved here as a kid, and he just never got too into music until he met me. That's so good of you. Like, music is... is uh... A music guardian angel. <laughs> Yeah, our first concert together was, uh, oh my God, I'm trying to think, Portugal the Man. Oh, yeah. What's the last concert you've been to? Uh, Lennon Del Rey. Oh, shit, I'm jealous. <laughs> Sean Lennon was there. Really? And uh, uh, Lair- Leonard Cohen's son, apparently. That's really chill. Yeah, yeah, it's really, really cool. My last one was Slater Kinney. Oh, cool. And before that, Bikini Kill. Was that fun? It was fun because I knew I had to make it fun. I wasn't 30 yet, and I really wanted to crowd surf, and I haven't done it yet, or hadn't done it. And I was like, I got to do it now, or else it's going to feel weird past 30 trying to crowd surf. So, yeah, it was fun. I got to go backstage afterwards with security guys and smoke weed. It was good. Oh, that's even better. I feel bad. I lost my friend. I gave him no warning that I was about to do that. And I gave him my phone because I didn't want to drop it crowd surfing. So it took him about an hour to find me. Man, well, that's so, like, awesome that he actually looked for you and wasn't like, fuck her. 
Oh, no, definitely. My friend and I, we've been friends since, like, high school. So, yeah. Yeah. Do you keep in touch with any of your old, old friends? Um, I think the only old friend that I really stay in touch with is a friend from, like, grammar school. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is pretty amazing, actually, that we did but yeah, a lot of them, I mean, I didn't have many to begin with, but like, it's hard to stay in touch when you like, you're changing so much as a person. And you traveled a lot. Well, that doesn't matter anymore. Yes. Really. I mean, nobody communicates in person anymore. I prefer not to personally. Yeah, there's, there's definitely perks to it. Like you don't get um, like inundated with other people's energies. I'm an introvert, so I definitely vibe with you there. Yeah, like it can be overwhelming for sure. So how long were you in the Midwest? Um, so we went we went, we went when I was 12, and then I was there. So I was there for middle school and high school. And then I went to Vermont for college. Ooh, Vermont. Where? Uh, Brattleboro. Okay. What did you study? Um, I actually, I started, I wanted to like do film, but their film department sucked. Mm -hmm. So I ended up just like doing like theater classes and like literature classes and like, uh, took a really cool class in, uh, Spanish and French surrealist poetry. Um, and then I ended up getting my degree in cultural history. See, I love my favorite writers and publishers don't have degrees in literature. I have a history degree, too. Yeah. Yeah, no, I never studied literature at school, like, or writing, or took writing classes at school, because I was, like, way too self-conscious about, like, people reading my stuff. And I'm always weird when it comes to people reading my stuff, especially, like, older people. I can never show a teacher my writing. Yeah, you have to, like, really feel that trust and feel like, well, like, they really are, like, invested and really do care and, like, they get you. Like, if somebody doesn't get you, they're not going to like your stuff, you know? I also feel like I'd personally be, like, lying to them with whatever poem I would give them. Because I would just definitely write something that would cater to their personality. Yeah. Sometimes it's nice to have an audience in mind, though. Like, I found writing for an editor can inspire me to do things. Mm-hmm. Um, like Trash Panda, for example, um, Brennan Deal was running his uh, Philosophical Idiot site, and um, I started writing these Trash Panda poems. Why do you call it that, by the way? Um, I saw a meme about a Trash Panda, <laughs> and I'd never heard the term before, and I just thought it sounded so fun and like... I'm like, I don't know, that sounds like me. It's like, like grungy and adorable. All at yeah, once. I'm like, that's me. That I'm a trash panda. That's that's me. And then so then I started working on the collection and then I I was at Walmart and I saw they had this like giant bin of heads of animal heads. And I was like, and I found a, tr- a panda head. So I was like, "Oh, okay. I'll get this and like do videos and shit." Mhm. So then I did that and I read as I was writing, as I was like writing the collection and uh, 
this guy like freaked out on me completely. It was really weird. How? He was like mad that I was like doing a video and like wearing like a white tank top where my nipples were vaguely barely visible. He like did this passive aggressive post the next day, like, oh, I bet the only re- if I had boobs, everybody would listen to me or I don't know, something like that. Oh, dude, I'm what like, is this? I'm like, I bet you're talking about me, aren't you? Um, like two, three years ago. Did this shit happen on Facebook? Yeah. Okay, I think I remember this. Yeah, it was pretty. It, got, it became a pretty big thing because like. He just made, like, a public ass of himself and was, like, harassing me all over the place. Guys do that. Well, then he actually did a whole book called Misogyny. Literally, like, three weeks later. Like, he just wrote it and, like, self-published it and stuff. There was, like, all, like, rape murder poems about, like, all the lit girls that, like, he was jealous of, basically, I guess. Dear it was God. really weird. So he wrote, like, three rape murder poems about me. And, like, one was how to gut a how to gut a trash panda and it was like really weird people are fucked up and well see what's hilarious is so he he apparently had done a video a week before where he was wearing he had seen the same bin i found out later he was a walmart security guard in like tennessee or some shit um he would be a security guard <laughs> i know like haha you have like the lamest job ever no offense to all the nice good walmart security guards out there if they exist but uh so he got the cat head apparently from that same bin and he did a video because he was like a shitty poet so he like um did he did like a shirtless video with like the head on and was reading his shitty poems um but like we were Facebook friends, but I never saw the video. Like I barely interacted with him. So he thought I stole the idea from him. And then he was mad because people paid attention to my reading more than his. I mean, it just means that you're better and you have a better audience. Like you know how to capture the attention. Yeah. I mean, I think my video was more fun. Yeah. You know, like I was trying, I tried really hard to make it fun. Like I wanted it to be fun. So, mm-hmm. Whatever. That was weird. I actually wrote... Did I end up putting it in the book? Yes. Um, I actually wrote a poem about the incident in my poetry book. Yeah. So, why don't I read that? Yeah. So, it was originally his full name, but then I just changed it to his initials. Mm-hmm. Should I say the real name? Your call. <laughs> Doubt he's listening. He's going to listen and, like, be like, she doxed me. I don't know. (laughs) I'm pretty sure it was Tennessee. But then I think he actually moved to Portland after, so that's weird. See, that's why I'm afraid of Portland right now. I feel like like, right-wing people are going there. He's, like, roaming around, just, like, raging misogynist. (laughs) Yeah, see, I got to go to L.A. now. Yeah, L.A. is cool. You know, you just have to, you'll spend half your life on the highway, but if you don't mind that. I like driving, so. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Perfect. L.A. is perfect for you. Hell yeah. I love L.A. I would totally live there if I could afford to. I hear the prices are definitely dropping. Oh, really? Yeah. All the big uh, tech companies are going fully remote. So people are moving out, spreading out to, like, smaller areas. Right. So, like, being in Silicon Valley is not necessarily, like mean anything yeah my 
boyfriend's sister works at Facebook and she's just doing the nomadic thing right now. All right, I'm going to read this thing. I'm going to say his name. Do it. Do it. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> if Jay Sizemore was a woman. If Jay Sizemore was a woman, he would have it rough, mainly because guys like Jay Sizemore would harass him for getting attention, only because she has boobs. And she would be angry and wonder why they didn't value her as a person. And she would think, these lip bros are dicks. And she would be right. If Jay Sizemore was a woman, I would be nice to her, though, because women are people, too. Is that it? Mm-hmm. Nice. I immediately looked at him up on Facebook. Is he on Facebook? Because he left for a while. Yeah, he's there. His profile picture is the Bernie meme that's going around. Of course. I see, like, a cover photo a guy's with a lot of beards. I just don't know which one he is. Yeah. Yeah, make sure it's the right one, because there is a Jason Sizemore who's a horror writer who's a totally nice guy. Um, he's in Portland, and there are a lot of mutual friends. So Wow. So. Yeah, that's got to be him. Holy shit, that's weird. Yeah. Oh, my God. See, don't you love social media? Ugh. I feel like PTSD. Like, Dude, I feel you. No, I was scary because he like went through my Instagram, was like commenting and everything. He's like, "This is shitty poetry," like, or this is this is like high school goth girl poetry. And I'm like, "No shit, that's the point." <laughs> I actually so in Trash Panda, I um, so I have like a massive folder of like all my high school poems, um, and uh, they're all like handwritten and numbered. Mm-hmm. Uh, some have dates, but. Uh, some don't, but I, so I picked, I selected like my top five, um, to include in my poetry collection under the ending where it says top five most emo high school poems. And there's a picture of me in, um, vinyl, black vinyl pants leaning against my tinfoil covered bedroom. That sounds epic. <laughs> yeah. I put tinfoil on the walls. It was like for a movie set. I did a movie called, um, my senior year, I did a movie called Black Angels, which was about a, a girl who grew up in a Nazi cult and is trying to escape, and I play the girl. That is fascinating. Is it available anywhere? No, it's just on video. Never going to show anyone? I don't know. Keep it well, in the I vault. can't. Well, the thing is, I can't like actually put on YouTube, because uh, the soundtrack I used is uh, Nine Snails of Fragile. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> So, oh, if you're my friend, you can come over and I'll pop it in the VCR. I think, like, everyone in the lit world has, like, a weird video that we've made. I have a lot of weird videos. I used to do a lot of... I have... That's one of my four or five movies. I did... My sophomore year in high school, I did a movie called Plastic Moon, which was um, titled after a poem I'd written. It was this uh, very obnoxious meta... um, uh, movie about trying to make the movie and um and about how I can't face reality and I'm going I I'm choosing to go insane uh over facing reality mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. how prophetic that was right uh and the soundtrack for that was Natalie and Brulia and Garbage 
Oh God, that is so 90s. I know. <laughs> I think my, my intro credits were uh, milk. I dig it. I dig it. As I'm like standing outside holding an umbrella. It's, it's so good. <laughs> oh my God. And then, so then after that, I did Black Angels. And then, um, which I think like the coolest thing about Black Angels was I shot in black and white. It's got the Nine Snails soundtrack. And so my boyfriend at the time and his friends were like all wearing like black trench coats because they were super goth or whatever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So they're like the Nazi guys. So I've got them like running around in their black trench coats with like BB guns. So that's pretty cool. What era is this supposed to be taking place in? Um, I didn't really think about that. Just current day, I guess. I mean, this came out in 2000, so it was definitely um, inspired by probably Marilyn Manson and starting to think a lot about cults and brainwashing and all that stuff. This is how you know I'm such a typical, basic white girl. I was about to say, what's your favorite cult? What's my favorite cult? Oh, um, you know, even though it's like, I think I would say the Manson family, honestly. Fuck yes. (laughs) I mean, like, it's just, I I was, like, because of Marilyn Manson, I became obsessed with Charles Manson and the Church of Satan. For sure. So I immediately went and bought the Satanic Bible at my local Barnes & Noble and, like, church a block, white Midwestern uh, suburbia hell. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that movie was, uh, it was actually pretty good. Actually, after I did that movie, Black Angels, um, they had to implement new rules for the film festival to (laughs) not have swearing or certain images or like, it's pretty messed up. Like it literally starts with me being kidnapped. I'm like sleeping in bed. I was sleeping in my, I, I laid down like in my boyfriend's bed and then he and his friend like jumped in the window and like grabbed me and dragged me out as I'm like kicking and screaming. And then I'm like running through the forest to nine inch nails. So it's pretty metal. It sounds like twilight, but better with the running. through the forest. <laughs> oh, and the ending is the best part. So the ending. So basically like the whole movie, she's in the room with the, ca- with these cameras. So I had to explain why is she being filmed if she's alone. So I'm like, Oh, there's cameras in the room, except like the cameras are all moving. So it makes no sense, but whatever. Um, my, my then eight year old brother was actually filming those scenes, which is really messed up if you actually watch it. Cause I'm like talking about being like sexually molested at five and how they've like ruined me for life and all this shit. Like how I feel dead inside because of this cult. Yeah. You fucked up your sibling. <laughs> Yeah, he is all fucked up now, too. It's all you. (laughs) Great. (laughs) No, it's my mother. Um, Lovely. But, uh, (laughs) um, shit. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. So she's in the room, and um, she's like, the guys, they, like, talk to the cult leader, and he's like, we have to reprogram her. You know, you got to leave her in there because she's been talking all this crazy shit about wanting to get out and how this cult fucked up, and we can't let her go. So we're going to have to keep her in there. And um, they're like, you know what? Fuck that shit. We're going to let her out. So they come to rescue me, 
and we're like running to catch a train. So it's like a train leaving and we got to catch it. Mm-hmm. And um, as we're waiting there for the train, the cult leader comes and shoots us all down. <laughs> that is so dark. <laughs> is this pre-Columbine? Um, no, it's after. And you still did it. <laughs> That's right. Even Scream had the good sense to be a little bit more mellow. Yeah, that's, that's uh, you know, that's my style. I dig it. <laughs> People are like, what? Like, this is not a high school movie. Like, what the fuck? Really, what is a high school movie? Like, I'm like, Kenneth Anger meets Andy Warhol. Yeah, I originally wanted to be a filmmaker, too. Oh, my God, I love that. That's actually how <laughs> I community. That's so crazy. If we'd, like, actually met, like, if I'd gone to the city and like we'd actually met like who knows maybe we'd be making movies together right now hey it could still happen could still happen i can go to la you can go to la i still love movies we'll make a fucked up nazi netflix thing maybe not nazi that's been overplayed but actually i got the best idea the other day um and frank vampire hunter okay loosely nazi still there but okay no, I know. It made me think of that, but I'm like, wait, I do have an idea that's adjacent to that. You should totally write that up. I might. I just might. I would love to read that. I think it'd be really cool. Like, like Nazi vampires, and she like, so she like sneaks. So the story idea is that she's so she's been in the bunker for a certain amount of time, and she's losing it. So she decides to sneak out because she just can't take it anymore, and. Um, she gets bitten by a Nazi vampire. Mm-hmm. So then she becomes a vampire, and she also just is like on a, you know, mega revenge, like, I'm going to kill all the fucking Nazi vampires uh, thing. That's all I've got so far. I dig it so far. <laughs> what would your soundtrack sound like for that kind of film? Damn. I don't know. I feel like it would be good if it just had, like, an actual score. Mm-hmm. There's not, they don't do that enough anymore. Just like, like I watched uh, Rear Window the other night and it was like, the score. I'm like, oh my God, remember movies had a score? I haven't seen I mean, they that still do. so, like, decades, I think. It's so fun. It's just like such a chill, like the, the, the tension like sneaks up on you. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, you're like, oh, this is chill. You know, he's like bored. I'm kind of bored now. And like, oh man, it's so hot. Like, oh, I wonder what all these people are doing. And why is he not marrying his perfect girlfriend? Like, oh my God, this is crazy. <laughs> and then it starts to happen and you're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I mean, this is a style of Hitchcock. Yeah, it's cool. I love how it sneaks up on you like that. What's sad is that, like, instead of making me think of actual, like, film films, my mind is going straight to the Simpsons parody of it. Yeah, I've watched it just, like, I I used to watch a lot of Hitchcock, a lot of Kubrick, a lot of, like, Truffaut, Fellini, a bunch of Lynch. I used to just, like, mainline that shit. I love that you said mainline that shit. I love Lynch. So my final movie that I made, actually I made two in college. Uh, the first one was called Tainted Fruit. Um, it's ridiculous. It's um, it's about these two friends, and like one of them, she finds out that every guy she fucks dies, 
so uh, then she meets a guy that she likes and that likes her, and she's like, um, I can't fuck you because you'll die. And he's like, I don't believe you. And uh, <laughs> finally he fucks her, and he dies. So, yeah. <laughs> it reminds me of that one character in X-Men. Who is like the where they if they touch somebody they die. Yeah, I can't remember the name, yeah. but yeah. Also, a character in American Horror Story has that thing where if she has sex with people they die. Oh, nice. Yeah. It's funny because it's just occurring to me that the book I'm writing right now is the same fucking thing, just like a little different. Oh yeah. It's called Tragedy Town, and it's about this girl that finds out. She lives in this town where everything is kind of, like, run by tragedy. Like, it's the religion, it's the culture, but it's also, like, an actual physical reality. And um, she finds out that her tragedy is that she's going to, like, die when she comes together with her true love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or meet some kind of... It's, it's a, The language is vague in the curse. It's, like, uh, meet a sudden death sudden accident you know mm-hmm. um so when she does meet the person this accident feels starts to grow around her and she has to decide if she if it's worth it i dig it how far are you into it um i think i actually just hit the halfway mark What's your process finally um I mean, I guess brainstorming first. Um, Do you, like, throw on any music while you're, like, trying to brainstorm? Do you jam out? Um, or you just sit there blankly staring at the screen? I mean, I feel like I like brainstorming for me rarely happens when I'm not already getting an idea. Like, if I'm not already getting an idea, I'm not going to waste my time staring in front of a screen when I have other shit to do mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, or I'd rather just watch Netflix. <laughs> um, so when I get an idea or like even a seed of an idea and it feels really exciting, I'll sit down with a notebook with pen and paper. I don't usually come up with ideas on the computer. Mm-hmm. The exception would have been Trash Panda because that was just very conceptual. I just wanted it to be like have this super emo vibe and just feel like Tumblr poetry. So the computer was like the perfect way to do it, do that. I like that you said emo vibe because you haven't actually mentioned any emo bands that you're into. Yeah. I think I mean more like emo, like just mood. Okay. Not okay. really like the music though. I do like my chemical romance. They're good. Yeah. The pandemic is killing me. I have tickets to go see them in the fall. Oh no. But I don't think it's oh going to happen. Oh my God. Oh, yeah, you're saying that. Oh, man, that sucks. Yeah, it's been my dream. (laughs) It was like the running joke of my friend that we were going to go back in high school, but my parents let me go. So when they finally reunited, we were like, we got the tickets, probably like the first people. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's so sad. (laughs) Fuck. Well, they'll probably do it after. I don't know. It took them so long to reunite. Man, that's annoying. Yeah. But, yeah. Have you seen them? No. No, I haven't seen them. Are you a concert goer, or are you someone who listens more on your own? 
Um, <clears throat> I don't feel like I've gone to a lot of concerts, just so I guess not, mm-hmm. but depends who it is. What's the best for you? The best? Yeah, best concert. Everyone has that like kind of movie soundtrack, main character moment concert. Like that I'd want to go to or that I've been to? That you've been to. <laughs> um, I guess when I was younger, because my parents would take me to um, see this rock band they liked in Mexico mm-hmm. um, called El Tri. And I was like the only kid there and everybody was like moshing and shit. I mean, not everybody was moshing, but some people were. <laughs> but it was really fun. It was like. That's lit. Yeah. I felt so cool like going. I put on like ripped jeans and a t shirt. I was like, I'm so cool. <laughs> Are you into moshing? Nah, I'm too much of a pussy. Really? Yeah. Wow, I feel so weird. I'm a tiny person, but I don't mind like ramming into other people. That's good. That means you have balls. I don't really think so. Don't know how tiny I am. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Though. I mean, it seems like fun. Like, it is. I wish I wasn't such a pussy. Like, I'm just scared of getting injured all the time. I fell once. I found that the people in the mosh pits tend to be the nicest people you'll ever meet. Like, they'll help you up and shit. Yeah, but you can, like, get injured just doing something stupid. Like, not even uh, literally ramming into people. Oh, yeah. Ah, oh, sweet. My husband just texted me. He's getting sushi. Fuck yeah. What's your favorite kind? Um, I mean, I always get a spicy tuna roll. Um, I do really like toro, so places that have it, I always get it. Mm-hmm. But I kind of like my rolls pretty simple. It's either salmon or tuna. Or, uh, I'll try other things sometimes, but like, yeah. I keep forgetting. Is nigiri the one that's the rolls? Or is that the one with the fish on top? Uh, uh, I'm not sure, actually. Damn, I need a sushi expert. Up so I'm so, you should call Michael Seilinger. He knows all about sushi. I know, we published the book. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I feel like I learned a lot about sushi from that book. Yeah, you should watch the documentary, too. Oh, yeah, you'll, yeah, yeah. You'll learn way more. <laughs> I think where he got all his info. Yeah. But no, I just simply do the spicy salmon. Oh, nice. 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 Or California. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, I'll eat sushi. I could eat sushi, like, every single day and be happy. That used to be my routine before COVID. Nice. Wow. Do sushi, and then we'd go to midnight movies. Oh, that's so nice. Man, I miss movies so much. Oh, my God. They're all, like, old, like, horror films. I loved them. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, I love those. So. Oh, let me tell you my last movie. Okay. So okay. after that one. So the last movie I ever made at school was called Into the Fire, and it's about... This is my favorite plot line of all of them. Um, it's about a nun that lives in this like future time where the church and the pharmaceutical companies have like joined forces um, to control people. And she she keeps like walking through this graveyard and seeing this this guy who's like always at this grave, and she's like becoming super obsessed with him and like really has the hots for him. But she like won't talk to him because she's a nun and she doesn't want to you know fuck someone and. And be like, oh, well, I'm a shitty nun. 
Um, so she goes to her priest and he's like, there's this new drug. It won't make, it'll make you never want to sin. So she's like, okay, I want to be a good girl. So I'll take it. And she has like the worst reaction. It makes her like trip, like in a bad way. Like she gets all fucked up. And, um, so then she goes to see her, her friend who is an opium smoking witch, of course. Um, cause every nun needs that friend. <laughs> And her friend's like, no, that's bad. You should not be taking that drug. They're fucking you up. I want to be a no smoking witch. She was so cool. Uh, I had I had a really nice hookah, so like that's like why we did that, I guess. <laughs> so she's like puffing away and like tobacco. Like that's our generation. Okay. That's what we did. They're they're cool. I have a hookah now too. So, but I don't think I'll use it. I, I tried to show it to my niece the other day because we have two of them. But yeah, Gen Z, they don't know them. Yeah, they're pretty. They're really pretty. It's the classy bong. I miss when they were actually like hookah bars and shit. Yeah. Oh, man. Whatever happened to those? Are they all just like vape places now? (laughs) Probably. People are so lame. Yeah. They just want lame shit. Hey, wait. Is weed legal in New York? Uh, Massachusetts. Oh, okay. Um, But yeah. um, So... So she's like, I'll help you. I'll fix you. Like, so she gives her this potion she makes and she drinks it and like passes out. And, uh, her friend does like an incantation, which was like pretty cool. Cause she did it in French. So it sounded all cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, uh, what happens is as she's under, she walks down and she walks into like the devil's bedroom, basically. <laughs> She's like in hell. Um, and the devil tells her, like, this is messed up, man. You should not be letting the church control you. Like, you're a sensual creature. Like, you need to just fuck. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> so he fucks. See, at first I was getting a Fleetwood Mac vibe. Now you're giving me a kiss vibe. <laughs> Metal, again. Um, yeah. So he fucks her. And um, and I very tastefully shot the sex scene. Like, there's only a few shots. Like, it's mm-hmm. not like a porno. Like, it's like very tasteful and artistic. Um, but my classmates thought it was porn. Like, after they saw it, so that's great. A bunch of prudes. That's just how our country is. Everyone's pretty prudish. Yeah, I think it was like the one shot. There's a shot from like a low angle where he had his hands on my boobs. Mm-hmm. But like I thought that's good because he's like covering my nipples, like mm-hmm. whatever. Um, so then, so then she wakes up out of her journey into the underworld, and she feels totally better. She feels good. She's like, yeah, fuck the church, you know. <laughs> I just fucked the devil. Woo! <laughs> and um, I feel like you would really like American Horror Story. I do. I do. I okay. like a lot of the seasons. Apocalypse is for you. Oh shit! Yeah, I haven't seen that yet. Oh, you will definitely like it. <laughs> nice. It's all about the Antichrist. So yeah. Nice. Yeah. For some reason, I've been writing stories about fucking the devil since I was like fourteen. So I don't know what that's about. The sense of music you've definitely talked about gives me that vibe, but that's cool. Yeah. I like the devil. The devil seems cool. Yeah. Legit, I mean, really, if you think about Satan, he seems so much cooler than God. 
Like he wants to give intelligence to women and shit, you know? Yeah. I mean, kind of like, you know, he really represents uh, being your own God and choosing your own fate and not sitting around for some puppet master to direct your life. So, Do you believe anything like that or um, atheist? I mean, so what's funny is I actually grew up uh, atheist. My parents were, were atheists. No shit in Mexico? I mean, well, my dad's Mexican. My mother was American. My mother actually grew up in Brentwood in California. Um, <laughs> but she decided to. Anytime I think of Brentwood, I think the OJ trial. Yeah, that, it's that neighborhood. Yeah, it's that neighborhood. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, but she decided to slum it with my uh, physicist dad. So they moved <laughs> to Mexico. <laughs> and, uh yeah, so I was raised in this weird little American culture bubble in the country. So, like, you know, I was ne- I was always I was I knew more of American culture even living there than I did about Mexican culture, which now really pisses me off. Like that they did not try to integrate me more, read me more books in Spanish, stuff like that. Like they read to me a lot in English, but not in Spanish. See, that was going to be a question I wanted to ask you: is if being in all the different cultures really affected your tastes? Yeah, I mean, I think it did, honestly, because even though I didn't read as much Spanish and even though I didn't write as much in Spanish, um, I feel like the language has affected uh, the way I use language. Um, Mm. And I also, like, really resonated, like I said in college, I was reading the Spanish and French surrealist poets, so, like, the French poetry really resonate with me also like just the way the language flows so like there's something about the latin languages that just it's almost like it's more direct but more poetic both at the mm-hmm. same time than english english is a very sort of like utilitarian language it's not meant to be pretty it's meant to get a message across and it's one of the hardest languages to learn from what i've been told Probably because it makes no sense. Like, probably if we didn't know English, we'd be like, none of these grammatical rules are right. Like, this is just some made-up shit. And we say the same thing for with a bunch of different spellings, and we're all creating new words, and yeah. Yeah. Like, I feel like there's more symmetry to the Romance languages. They're just like, mm-hmm. you know, but it can be a little wordy. That's the downside. I dig it, though. I always prefer those things. Yeah. I love German, actually, too, but I didn't learn it. But I like how angry it sounds. Have you watched those YouTube videos where people compare the languages? No. Like, you'll have people saying the like exact same thing in each language. And with German, it almost sounds more angry. Yeah, yeah. No, it's funny. Like, you could say, you know, I love you and you're my world and sound like you're saying, like, fuck you, die, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you the video later. I think you'll like it. Cool. Yeah. Right now I'm trying to learn Russian. Oh, nice. They're an angry sounding people. Nice. Yeah, my mother's actually, so she's, she grew up in the States, but she's, her dad was like Russian Jewish. So they were like, so I've got the Russian blood. I want to go to Russia, but I hate Putin, so. Yeah, I get that same vibe. Like, I really, really want to go to Russia. I'm fascinated with Russian history, so yeah. We should go to Russia together. We'll just avoid Putin. Yeah. I mean, I think that'll be easy. You never know. (laughs) Like, it's funny. Like, I hate him, but, like, I would totally... It would be cool to meet him. 
<laughs> like, there's not even a good response to that. I like meeting famous people. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> I think the only famous person I would never want to meet is Trump. Yeah. 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 It's funny, like, while he was president, I kept having these dreams that I was, like, trying to give him clash books to read. <laughs> <laughs> And he would be so annoyed every time. I don't think he reads. No, yeah, he can't really read. He he just has, he has like super bad ADD. <laughs> Probably like snorts Adderall. Yeah, I'm sure that doesn't help. Mm. Yeah, actually, I'm pretty sure he does snort Adderall, actually. I only recently found out you could snort it. I used to think everyone just popped it, but yeah. Uh... Yeah, I mean, I don't know why you'd rather snort it than just drink it, but whatever. Yeah, I was having a podcast with Noah Cicero, and he was talking about all the drugs they used to do back in, like, the alt-lit days. Yeah. And, yeah, snorting Adderall apparently was a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, a funny thing about that movie, Tainted Fruit. So my friend that I did the movie with, she was also in the film department and wanted to do movies. Um, She really wanted to do coke, so... But we couldn't find any coke. And she made her character a cokehead. Um, so then she had to snort powdered sugar. <laughs> That's so gross. Oh, that feels like it would hurt. Yeah. Like, she, she had a lot of snorting scenes. And she did it like a champ. I'll give her that. Like, I'm feeling it in my nose right now as you used to say it. <laughs> but I had to do it for the last scene. Because in the last scene, like, she's like, oh, sorry, you're boyfriend died like have some coke (laughs) and um so i had to snort for that scene and that was painful man that was just disgusting what does it like feel like if it's not coke like does it affect you in any way i mean like for example the drip you get with coke it's like way worse because it's like Mm -hmm. full of sugar so it's like it just hits your like that's a sensitive part of your nose like where you're smelling and tasting at the same time so like Mm -hmm. Coke, I think, is very much designed to try to not, you know, be too unpleasant to snort. Mm-hmm. And also it has a numbing agent, I guess. So uh, That's a rich people drug. Yeah, powdered sugar is not meant to be snorted. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> yeah, I can't say I've tried Coke, but I I've definitely have a lot of friends who have. I've done it a little bit. I was totally going to be like, it's because you're on the East Coast. But no, I haven't done it up here. I did really? it. I did it when I was in Chicago, actually. Damn, we're more of like a meth city now. Yeah. Well, it was just the circumstances. I was dating this guy, and he would hang out with like these other guys in his apartment building, and they would do coke together. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and all his friends were trying to hit on me. So, that's not awkward. Yeah. No, oh. not at all. So, and he was like being really, like kind of a horrible dick so i eventually was like yeah i'll go do coke with you after he goes to sleep so yeah i did a lot of coke i mean not a lot really it just like a period of a couple months it's almost one of those like how do you quantify it like what is a lot (laughs) i mean how uh, how often like when do you start and what time do you start and stop and are you doing it every day yeah but yeah no, I never was like a cokehead. Like, yeah. I mean, I never. I would never buy. Like, that's my policy with like hard drugs. Like, I'll do them if I don't have to pay for them. My rule of drugs. 
I don't buy. Well, except weed. Oh, I don't buy it either. I do. I would. I just, everyone keeps offering. That's nice. Must be nice. Yeah. I mean, we live right down the road from a weed shop. Nice. I could go get it. I think it's more expensive, though. Oh, yeah. For sure. I like doing the dab pen. Oh, nice. Have you ever done that? I haven't done that yet, no. No smoke? Better. I like the gummies. See, I can't do edibles. They fuck with me. Really? Yeah. It's too much of a commitment. <laughs> like, the last time I did edibles, I ended up almost calling the police on myself. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's fucked up, man. I mean, the mm-hmm. ones I get, like, they're actually, like, way more chill than if I was smoking. Mm-hmm. I, think- I can definitely get a little paranoid. I think it's like when you're with someone and you get paranoid and they get paranoid, it just snowballs. So that was our night. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because like I was just out there in the yard and I was thinking about how a year ago I did acid. And one of the things that freaked me out that night was like this big light in the yard. And, you know, I realized eventually it was the kitchen light shining mm-hmm. out in the darkness but like for like 10 minutes, I was um, really wondering if it was like a UFO that was coming down. <laughs> I would be so into a UFO. I would dig it. I've written a story about being probed by aliens. You're going to have to send that one to me. I could read it right now. Yeah, let's cap off the podcast with that. <laughs> yeah. It's called Dope. And uh, I wrote it completely hammered. Very appropriate. (laughs) 43. I don't think I'll read the whole thing, but I'll read part. Let's see. How long is this? Uh, They say they saw little green men on the moon. In the darkness, you can touch yourself. But then the lights flash bright, and the little green men put cold, hard objects into your orifices. They drip milk into your eyes. They fill you with their sperm until it comes out of your eye sockets. Their long fingers explore your body to see what it can do. They fill your holes with electric rods and liquids. They watch you squirm and scream and squirt. They probe your anus. They have the courtesy to use lubricant. The lubricant jelly feels cold and wet like a frog licking your asshole. They're reaching into your anus to see if you hid your soul in there. So that's like a little intro. Mm -hmm. I dig it. Um, So then it totally changed his voice. So I'm at a party in Brentwood. Ah, Speak of the devil. Near Santa Monica. You know the neighborhood. It's where O.J. Simpson stabbed the living fuck out of his wife's fake boobs along with her plastic, fantastic lover back in the golden 90s. Now Nicole's ex-BFF Kris Jenner is whoring out her brood for TV ratings. The brood she made with one of O.J.'s defense lawyers. And here she is in all her living glory, snorting lines of cocaine off Justin Bieber's cock. That woman is the kiss of death. Her first husband is dead, and her second husband rejected his very cockness and turned himself into another fuck doll. 
But Justin Bieber doesn't care who's snorting coke off his cock, as long as someone is snorting coke off his cock. <laughs> I'm just rolling and rolling and rolling. I'm dancing and I feel like I will never be tired or need to eat or sleep again. Everything seems beautiful for one eternal sunshine moment. Waves of pleasure rolling over each other and over me. I am an ocean fuck pile. This moment is my soul. I am empty and full of this love juice. I don't need to fuck to feel the fuck inside. I am the fuck. I am the fuckness. Fuck yeah. You. There's more. Uh, I wake up fried and rolling on ecstasy all night. I stumble. Fun- funnily enough, I'm going to say that word. Uh, I've never done ecstasy. And that's one of the drugs I think I will never do. Because I'm terrified of getting my serotonin more fucked up than it already is. I wake up fried from rolling in ecstasy all night. And I stumble over the half-naked bodies, beer bottles, piles of drugs, discarded underwear, and party hats that lie strewn all over the floor. Has it been weeks or one long night? I have no idea. I feel dazed and hollowed out to my core like someone took a melon baller to my soul. I am awake and I want to see the tangerine dream bleeding on the trees outside. I rub my eyes and look around through my melting lashes at all the happy drunken babies glittering in yesterday's glamour. Drool caked on the painted lips, eyeliner smudged over raccoon eyes. Party animals snoring off yesterday's cocaine apocalypse. The sky is streaked pink and orange like a beat-up Mardi Gras queen. The porch overlooks a giant canyon. I lean myself over the railing like a dolly melting clock. I swear my arms are dripping in big glowing fiery clumps down to the trees below. I gaze over the chasm of the canyon smoking a cigarette. The smoke feels like fresh pine mountain air in my lungs after all the sweat inside. Ah, sweet nicotine. I notice a slight motion in the distance. I rub my eyes and blink them hard and see it is a white creature that looks like a horse running along the other end of the canyon. It stops for a minute and I get a good look at it. I stare at it like it is an algebraic equation written tiny on a blackboard. I read it back and forth, tip to tip, tail to horn. It can be nothing else. Somehow, of all the impossible things, this is running around Brentwood Canyon at 6 a.m. It is a white unicorn. I run inside to get my camera. I'll stop there. I take it. That was actually a dream I had. The white unicorn bit. Yeah. Still haunts me. It's bas- well, basically that dream. I'm like at a party in Brentwood and like I wake up and like everybody's passed out. I go outside on the deck and I see a white unicorn like way off in the distance. And I'm like, holy shit. So I run back inside to get my camera. And um, obviously it's a dream, so I don't fucking find it in time. And by the time I come back out, the whole scene has changed and there's no hills. There's no white unicorn. I'm like totally somewhere else. So, yeah. Metal music was made for you. (laughs) I love it. Yeah, it made me so sad. I'm like a very... Like, I'm really working hard on my lucid dreaming because, like, I hate forgetting shit I see in dreams or missing clues or anything like that. 
Do you do it where you wake up and write a note? Yeah. Yeah, I usually write it in my phone notes now. Yeah, that's what I do too. It helps a lot. What's crazy is like now my phone, it's it's become such an attachment to my body um, and so much about how I communicate with my world that I now have it in all my dreams. So it's like this magic notebook because if I'm in a dream where like I can't remember something, I'll write it down in there and then I'll remember like in the dream. Mm-hmm. And then I wake up and I write it down again for real. So, and I take selfies whenever I meet celebrities in dreams. I'm like, you want to take a selfie? So sad. <laughs> <laughs> I like met Lady Gaga and I did a selfie with her. <laughs> See, I'm not a selfie person, so I would never do that in a dream. <laughs> I like recording the moment. I like like taking pictures of other people else, but not me. Yeah, I like taking pictures of, like, stuff. Like, I, I had a dream recently, and I was just like, wow, everything looks so beautiful. And I was just, like, taking a bunch of pictures with my phone. Mm-hmm. It was really cool. What kind of phone do you have? Um, It's an iPhone. iPhone, what is it? Uh, one of the smaller ones. Do you ever have it in the dream where you have a different phone? Because I have that. No, nah, it's this phone. Because I've had it where I have, like, the drug dealer phone like the really phone? like a burner yeah, yeah. wow <laughs> yeah that would be a nightmare i would call that a nightmare if I i'm like that. totally 21st century and i go to reach for my phone and i'm just like i don't know what to do with this oh man i yeah. text people in dreams all the time like <laughs> if i lose them like i'll text them or try to call them and then usually that's when stuff happens like i can't call them i can't find their name in there like stupid shit like that Mm-hmm. I feel like it's pretty typical with people of these days. Yeah. But it's helped me a lot. It's helped me with my lucidity and remembering shit. I dig it. Okay. One final question. Okay. Why did you name Clash Clash? I actually didn't name it. Hmm. Uh, the person that started the website that used to be called that lit site, he then switched it to Clash, uh, Clash Media. Mm. And then uh, me and Christoph were, like, working with him on it, and then they both stopped doing it, so then I took over. And then uh, we'd already been doing, like, some books, but, like, more indulgent kind of shit. And then, like, they are like, well, let's just, like, go full-on in, you know? Mm. Um, but what I love about the name clash is that it's, you know, I think, you know, it's always kind of a connotation of clashing things, which totally makes sense for me. Like with my weird obsessions, Mm -hmm. like obsessed with glamor and tragedy and all that stuff at the same time. So it kind of is a, it lended itself well, but we completely transformed it from what it was before. Like it's Mm -hmm. barely recognizable. Well, I like what you did. It's really great. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, I think, you know, we both love literature. We both love culture. Um, You know, Christoph's really, really passionate. He's a way better reader than I am, honestly. He's, like, always reading. He's reading craft books and, like, actual, like, new books. Mm -hmm. And I kind of like to read old books. I like to, like, I like... 
I've reread Wuthering Heights like three times now. <laughs> um, <clears throat> That's not a bad thing. Yeah, I mean, I just like, I don't know, when you're editing all day, like, it's just not that fun to read anymore. That's why I go for nonfiction. Just yeah. Because it doesn't remind me of what. Well, we also publish nonfiction, so. You know, I think like the, like the way Clash became Clash, like it's just, you know, it's because we love what we love and we had the opportunity to do something, you know. But I think it definitely came out of like both of us being kind of, um, you know, we're both writers, me and Christoph, and like, uh, I think we're kind of published, published, <laughs> frustrated <laughs> with the indie lit scene um, yeah. in general, yeah. and didn't really feel like we fit in anywhere. So I feel like Clash is for like everybody that doesn't really fit in anywhere but they're like writing really good shit so like we both really care about it just being good um and being something that's like gets us excited the voice gets us excited um and I think you know weirdly enough like neither of us studied well actually he did do a publishing thing but I mean he was actually doing like (laughs) political like political history and stuff so and I was doing cultural history. So, like, we were totally not doing this or, like, oh, I'm going to be a publisher when I grow up or whatever. Like, it was just, like, I wanted to be Madonna, for Christ's sake. Like, <laughs> he wanted to be a politician, like, <laughs> and, and a rocker, and a rocker, of course. Um, like Beto O'Rourke. Yeah. So he, he moved to New York, and he was doing, like, the band stuff. He had a band called The Only Prescription, and they were doing shows in New York and stuff, and... Um, then like the band just completely like exploded cause it was full of assholes. So, um, he then switched to focusing on writing and kind of going to a bunch of readings in New York, like trying to network and, um, all that stuff. So he was actually a lot. So that was like his publishing, like intro or writing world intro. So while he's doing that, I was getting into like the bizarro scene and like bizarro fiction and all that shit and going to Portland to like go to those cons and connect with those writers and try to write bizarro myself. Um, cause I felt like surrealism was like, it was kind of like surrealism, mm-hmm. but it really isn't. Um, so yeah, eventually we both kind of got just sick of everybody's shit. So we're like, let's just do our own thing. Cause I bet we would be pretty good at this. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, I think everybody does that. Yeah, I think that's why people start presses, you know, they're like, you know, let me do it how I want to do it. And you guys have done fantastic. I love the most recent books you guys have done. Thanks. Thanks. It's it's really fun to see all these different styles like in one place. And I love like doing readings because like in-person readings. Because all these writers that are in totally different worlds, poets, horror writers, you know, uh, humorists, fiction writers, you know, whatever, they're all like in one place and seeing they have so much more in common Mm -hmm. than they thought they did. And I feel like, you know, there's so many cliques in the writing community, like on every level from indie to the top, where they just don't want to have anything to do with stuff that isn't in their genre. And it's it's really their loss because cross-pollination, I think, breeds the best stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
How do you find your books? Like, do the authors approach you or? I mean, we have open submissions. So a lot of stuff we get through submissions. Um, but uh, we also have writers we reach out to and talk to about wanting to do something. And it's like, are you going for more of the outlier types? Um, you know, just uh, if it's good. I mean, one example of somebody I reached out to personally was um, uh, this was like four years ago. Uh, three, three years ago, three or four years ago, uh, Monique Quintana. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was uh, writing for Luna Magazine, and I started noticing these really cool, like Trolla beauty pieces. And uh, I really liked the style of the writing. And she was writing stuff for Luna. She still does. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just her style really resonated with me. Just like her language. And she was also Latina, so I connected with that. Um, and uh, then I did a Tragic Queen's Antho. And for that, I reached out to a lot of people. There were a lot of people I reached out to personally, like Lisa Marie Bazzilli. I was like, this is like your spirit at Animal Antho. <laughs> like, you have to do it. <laughs> um, I haven't heard anyone say spirit animal in the longest time. <laughs> uh, Lisa gets it. Um and uh, so I reached out to her to do a story. So she did one. And I ended up having, I ended up doing like edits and being kind of like more involved than I thought I would be uh, with the development of that story. And then we saw we had a really good like writer editor relationship. And uh, I was like, wow, I really like what she does. And I had a story idea that I just never wrote because that's usually what happens. I get all these ideas and then it's like actually hard work to write it. So it's like, uh, yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So I was like, hey, you should write this idea. Like this idea would be so cool if you wrote it. So she was into it and she kind of just interpreted her own way. Like she took what I told her as a starting off point and then went her own direction with Mm -hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Um, the main trope being there's a woman who just can't stop crying. Mm-hmm. Um, she just can't stop crying. <laughs> like, literally. Um, so the way Monique had it, she's, like, literally crying into, like, a cenote, which is, like, a big whole pond kind of thing, like, uh, well thing. Um, but so she wrote a whole, like, novella that's, like, really surreal and, and cool, and we published that. So that was that rarely happens though that I'm that involved. Mm-hmm. But I just really liked her style. I dig it. I really dig it. So is there anything else you want to plug before we wrap up? Um we're starting to do more stuff on the Clash YouTube channel. I don't know, you had a YouTube channel. So plug that. There you go. I already did something. I am plugging it. Um, so there's there's some new stuff on there. Uh, our, our actually our cover designer Matthew Rivera. He's Australian. He does a lot of our covers. Um, he also loves playing video games, and I wanted him to do something for our channel. So um, what he's doing is doing one of those video game playing videos where you're like talking about it and playing game. And he started with Battletoads, which is like notoriously hard, and he's like notoriously obsessed with it. Um, so that's like that first video, but we have, uh, interviews and stuff 
uh, in February coming up, me and Lindsay Lerman, who started Black Telephone Magazine, we're going to be interviewing uh, the writers from that and doing a reading there as well for that. So, yeah, I'd say, you know, go to the Clash site, check it out, see if there's anything new that, uh, you know, is speaking to you. We have a lot of cool stuff. Like, there's just, like, I challenge anybody to go there and not find something that you're interested in, like, honestly. Oh, you're definitely going to find something. I think I've bought, like, four books from you guys already. (laughs) Nice. Yes. I should send you some free books, so thank you. (laughs) Well, now you just got to guess which ones I don't have. Oh, well, I know you don't have Daryl because that's not out yet. No. Let me see what I have. There's one that I saw that you're, but it's on a pre-order that I liked. Uh, I'll look later. <laughs> yeah. Waterfall Girls is like super gothy. That's my vibe. That one's really cool. Um, it's funny because we were originally going to do, Matthew Reaver did a cover for that that was pink and blue. But the author apparently really hates pink. So I was like, what is pink for people who hate pink? Peach. So now it's peach and green. I like that we share the same cover artist. Oh, he's, I mean, he's just amazing. You know, what's really cool is me and him have started talking about doing a tarot deck. That'd be fantastic. So we're doing it. We're full steam ahead. He actually bought a bunch of tarot books and like he asked me, he's like, what are your favorite decks? And I like, and my books and he's going to just like immerse himself and do, he's going to do them like collage, the weird collage style he's doing. And I guess we'll co-write the book together. Fuck yeah, I dig it. Yeah, I'm so excited. Is there any of your own writing you want to plug? Um... You know, <laughs> I would like people to get my next book when it comes out. All right. So everybody, pay attention to her Twitter. She'll announce it. Yes. Follow me closely on social media. Like all my posts, comment. You're so cool. I love you. <laughs> you got me to not kill myself. Like, you're what's giving me meaning right now. Exactly. I, I am going to start making candles and incense. So if you like I got like all these badass scents and shit. So, and like fancy beeswax and stuff, like good quality stuff. If you want like candles or incense, uh, just tell me and I'll give you a price for it. Your soul. <laughs> Sorry, the more you tell me about yourself, the more I'm just like, we would be good friends. <laughs> we make candles. <laughs> I'm so excited. It's really fun. Yeah. It's just like I need something like relaxing to do with my hands that's not fucking books. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like and I love the scents, you know. I did the the black telephone scent. Uh me and Lindsay Lerman were like brainstorming uh swag for the first m- issue and she's like, "Let's do incense." I'm like, "Nah, where how are we going to do incense?" Like, I don't know anything about that. <laughs> and I shut her down like three times. And then finally, I'm like, what should we do for swag? She's like, we should do incense. And I didn't have a better idea. So I'm like, all right. Uh, I actually have a friend that probably is into that. So that worked out. Like she, we, we kind of came up with the scent. And then my friend who's crazy and also does incense and candles for fun uh, came over and like brought 
his he literally brought like an ammo case but like full of like <laughs> scents. <laughs> he's like the scent wizard. Like he just brought it all. Um so yeah, so then I mixed like we made 850 sticks of incense. It was insane. Damn, that's a lot. Damn, that's a lot. It was nuts. I had them all like drying out in my basement and my spooky haunted basement was like actually smelling like not dirt and death. <laughs> Damn, you don't have a dirt and death scent? I mean, I'm sure it'll overpower it again. <laughs> actually, my friend, he made me a dirt candle. Grave dirt. He calls it grave dirt. And it actually, it literally smells like dirt, like, like wet dirt. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. it's just a transportation. Like it's the best candle I've ever smelled in my life. <laughs> See, it's fun making candles. We like doing, uh, we perfected an old book scent for one of our candles. Oh yeah. shit. I was going to do one. Yeah. I was going to do, I want to do one for the class site called Haunted Library. Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah, I think that'd be cool. I think if we do any of our swag, it would be separate from Maudlin, but who knows? Yeah, we're definitely getting into the merch shit. I have uh, our other artist coming up with a t-shirt design right now. We have a t-shirt, and nobody buys it. Is this the Beyonce one? That sucks. Yeah, people better buy this one. <laughs> I mean, I'm mostly, I'm not really expecting people to go to the website to buy a shirt. Like, that'd be cool, but like... You know. know. See, we're plugging that now. Buy shit at Clash. We'll have some. We'll, we're gonna have some shirts. Um, there's a really cool uh, t-shirt company in town. They have a store, and they do like screen printing. So we're gonna get them to do it, which I like. I like that it's local, like Troy businesses. Yeah, we do it that way here too. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, there's a really cool place. I'll give them a shout out. They're barrel makers. Nice. And, yeah, barrel makers. That's really cool. Yeah, I have uh, one of my senses right here. It just came yesterday, Palo Santo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Smells so good. Let me take it. Let me take it. The saintly wood, literally. I feel like that's what I'm going to title this episode. <laughs> Actually, what's funny is under Palo Santo, so they have the actual translation, which is holy wood, because Palo Santo is Spanish. And... Uh, I gotta say, that's definitely one of my top Manson albums. That is a good one. Yeah. I actually like Eat Me, Drink Me a lot. I know people don't like that one. You gotta be in the right mood. I like that it's so literary. Like, it's the most literary, like, emo album he's done. Like, he's talking about Baudelaire and, uh, like, Rimbaud and shit. Have you ever noticed that, like, you could divide the world based on people who either love him or hate him. Totally, totally. Yeah. That friend that I made the Coke dead boyfriend video, um, that's what we bonded on. We were both, like, super into film, and we were both, like, equally into Marilyn Manson and Madonna. Mm -hmm. Like, when do you meet somebody like that, that they love both equally? Well, you just did. You too? You love Madonna? Nice. Oh, yeah. What's I your wish. favorite Madonna album? Nice. <laughs> Classic. It's like so basic as shit. Oh, I want to see your life. I think so mine bad. is Bedtime Stories, actually. And Erotica. Mm-hmm. Like that whole like super sexed up era. If you're really into her, you should actually look up this really great interview 
that she does in Rolling Stone where Carrie Fisher interviews. Oh, shit. Yeah, no, I don't think I've read that. Oh, it's really good. It definitely goes into a lot of the themes that I think you and I just discussed. That's so cool. Yeah, that's a cool... Did you see that she's having uh, Diablo Cody writing her life story or whatever? No. Yeah, she's producing a movie about her own life, and she's having Diablo Cody write the screenplay. (laughs) That's like the new thing. Joan Jett just did Are you that serious? With the that's so funny. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's pretty cool. I, I guess I'd hire Diablo Cody. I don't know. I'd probably actually, if I had somebody like directing a movie of my life, I'd be like, um, I'd hire Sofia Coppola just because I like her. Mm, that'd be I just love too. her stuff. Like, I know people hate her too, but, you know, everything's just always so cool. Like, it just flows so good. She has like the best mm. soundtracks. Like, I don't know. It's like she has this like directorial approach that's like the opposite of her dad. Like she's kind of like laid back. Like she doesn't really care what you're actually thinking about anything. Mm-hmm. So it's really cool. Mm-hmm. Very confident. It's the totally. best way to be. And she's not like trying to hammer in a message too, which I think a lot of artists, that's like the big pitfall. It's like, well, I believe in this. You look at this. And then it's like a morality play. Like let people make up their own damn minds how they feel about things. No, there's definitely a simplicity. Yeah. Well, like the bling ring, which I loved. Um, And Paris Hilton very coolly let them film in her house, um, in her real closet and all that shit. Where all her stuff was robbed. Um, you know, it's like, well, look at what they're doing. You know, like there definitely is like a commentary about a consumer culture. You know, but it's not like, you know, it's not over. Yeah, realistic. it's like you know. I mean, what would you do? Maybe that could be fun. You know. <laughs> <laughs> if I was like 16 and lived in like those neighborhoods and I was like bored out of my mind, like I probably would have done it. If I had like a ringleader, like I wouldn't have been the ringleader. I'm a follower. I feel like I'd really? be the ringleader. I tend to be the ringleader with my friends. We would totally like rob some houses. I think that we should make that our next meeting. <laughs> All about that. Wink, wink. <laughs> I mean, it's easy. Basically, you go to a party in like a fancy neighborhood and you you like um, case the house, you know, you figure out where all the doors Mm -hmm. are, like all that shit, where the stuff is. And then you like see when they're going to be out of town and you just go. Exactly. You could be a babysitter, like pretend to be the babysitter. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, hi, we're just babysitters. (laughs) Okay, now you and I just turn into the Manson family. (laughs) Exactly. My favorite. Hey, it was fine until they started killing people, you know. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with, like, doing a bunch of acid and shit. Like, it's fine. And pretending you're the devil or Jesus or whatever the fuck, like, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. It's it's fun. It's clean, good, clean fun. It's good, clean fun. Until somebody dies. All right, that was Lisa Canterall. Again, 
She is the editor-in-chief of Clash Books. If you want to check out more of her work, take a look at her website, lisacantorall.com, or her Twitter account, at lisacantorall. As always, if you want to get to know us more, find Textual Healing on Twitter, at PodHealing, or take a look at our website, textualpodcast.com. We are available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts or anywhere you listen to your podcasts. Please subscribe, leave us a review, check out past episodes, and keep an eye out for the rad as fuck ones to come. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show.